0: Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I'm hoping that you are having a great time of thankfulness as we get ready for Thanksgiving. We need to stop and realize how good God has been to us, count our blessings, and realize what a privilege it is to be able to live in the country we live in. Listen, I, I don't know why the re- history revisionists have tried to change things, the uh, story of the pilgrims, they would like to make it sound like they came over uh, with hostile efforts to destroy the Indians, to steal their land, to uh, do all these different things. That was not the pilgrims. The pilgrims were religious people. They were people of peace. They were people trying to find some place where they could worship and serve their God. And they were not coming over to plunder and rape and kill and steal the property. They were coming over simply to find a place where they could worship God as they saw fit. I'd like to tell you about the Nightmare on the High Seas. In the early 1600s, a group known as the Separatists lived in England. They were people who wanted to worship God, study the Bible, and pray, but the English laws did not allow the Separatists to worship as they desired. They were to follow the laws or or to be silent. They secretly worshipped despite the English laws. They were hunted down, tormented, locked up for months because they continued to worship as they chose, Eventually, they learned they could worship like they wanted to in Holland with no persecution, and so they escaped to Holland. They became known as pilgrims. They lived in Holland 12 years, but they they left because they couldn't stand the hard life or, or work their own trades, and they were concerned because their children were forgetting their customs and their heritage. They hired two seagoing vessels, the Speedwell and the Mayflower, to cross the Atlantic to America. In August, both ships sailed from Southampton, England. However, the Speedwell proved to be not seaworthy. After two attempts to make her seaworthy, both ships came ashore in Plymouth, uh, Plymouth, England. They decided to abandon the Speedwell and use only the Mayflower. Unfortunately, one ship couldn't hold all those who wanted to go to America, so they were left behind. The Mayflower crammed as many passengers on board as possible. The problems with the Speedwell put the expedition a month behind schedule, and the late start destroyed any hope they had for good summer sailing weather. The Mayflower sailed on September 6, 1620, heading for Virginia, They had 102 passengers and a crew of 20 to 30 people on board under the command of Captain Christopher Jones. The ship had three masts. It weighed 180 pounds, was 90 feet long, 26 feet wide, and had three decks or three levels. The Mayflower had been used to carry wine and was accustomed to heavy loads and heavy seas. She seemed well equipped to make the voyage but wasn't particularly fast and the upper deck leaked in stormy weather. They sailed for two months and three days cramped and hungry. The women slept in the captain's quarters and the men and the crew slept on the decks where they were exposed to the weather and spray from the ocean. The fresh food they brought lasted only a short time. After that, meals consisted of gruel, a watery cereal eaten warm the first day and cold for two more days. They also had dried or salted meat, sometimes fish, hard biscuits called hardtack, and cheese, which they washed down with beer. There were no sanitary facilities except for buckets. Personal hygiene suffered since washing was almost impossible. Some passengers tried to use seawater to clean themselves. The crew made fun of them. The fresh water for drinking was carefully guarded because it was for drinking, not washing. At the end of September, fierce storms and hurricanes blew the Mayflower far off course. During one of those storms, one of the main deck beams cracked. Luckily, or perhaps providentially, One of the carpenter's tools on board was a great iron screw that was generally used in construction of houses and barns. Two or more men would turn it to get a heavy beam into the exact spot where it was fastened to be. To repair the damage, the screw was placed under the cracked beam and used as a jack to move it back into place and supports then were installed beneath it. The ship was able to proceed on its way. In November, November, Captain Jones sighted Cape Cod. Knowing he was too far north, he turned south toward Virginia. He ran into contrary winds, and so he turned back to find a safe harbor. On November 11th, the Mayflower anchored at the present-day location of Town, Massachusetts, They'd been at sea now for 66 days. For over a month, they, spent, they sent men to find a perfect place to build their colony. They finally found a place and named it Plymouth. They started building homes and a common house where they could hold meetings, knowing that winter was near. A, fi- a violent storm hit before the houses were finished and they were forced to stay on the unheated Mayflower for their first winter in the New World. It was March 21st before everyone moved to a shelter on land. By then their numbers had dropped considerably. 52 pilgrims died during that winter. Uh, the winter of 1620-1621. They died from starvation From the cold, from disease, 50 people survived. One of the deadly diseases was known only as the sickness. It's thought that maybe they had colds. At one point, only three people were able to be up waiting on the rest. Daily rations got down to five kernels of corn per person. Can you imagine five kernels of corn? That wouldn't even keep a country chicken alive, but that's all they had. I, when I was pastoring, I often would pass out five kernels of corn to each person of the congregation, asking them to put that by their plate to which they had on Thanksgiving of all the bountiful goodies and remember the blessings that God has given to each one of us. Well, the terrible statistics of this first winter were In December, six people died. In January, there were eight deaths. In February, 17 people died. In March, 21 died. Frequently, two or three people died on the same day. Four entire families were wiped out completely. Only one family didn't lose at least one member. Of 18 married women, 13 died. Only three of the 13 children died. The mothers were probably giving their share of food to the children, so that might be why some of the children lived. The pilgrims feared Indians, even though none had been seen since their arrival. They did all they could to hide the magnitude of their losses. Burial services were conducted after dark. Graves were leveled and planted with corn to conceal them. The winter was, by local standards, a fairly mild one. The Pilgrims weren't used to such an awful diet and being exposed to cruel, violent weather, and had it been a really severe winter, probably all of them would have died. When the Mayflower was ready to return to England in April 1621, Captain Jones offered to take any survivors with him at no charge if they wanted to go back to England. None took him up on his offer. In the spring, an Indian named Squanto came to their village. He spoke English. In 1614, Squanto was one of the 20 Patuxet Indians kidnapped by the English explorer Thomas Hunt. Hunt took his captives to Spain where he sold them into slavery. Squanto was one of several rescued by by Spanish friars. He eventually made his way to England, where he worked for John Slaney, who had interest in exploration of the New World. Slaney sent Squanto on an expedition to Newfoundland in in 1617, where Squanto met explorer Thomas Dermy, who took him back to England. Squanto may have been an indentured servant to Slaney and Dermy, Dermer. He traveled again to the New World with Dermer in 1619, coming to the Patuxet region of his birth. Squanto brought a friend, Samoset, who also spoke English. Squanto and Samoset came to the pilgrims, showed them where to fish, how to hunt deer, and how to plant corn. Squanto lived with the pilgrims for the rest of his life. The two Indians translated the pilgrims Uh, with uh, Chief Massaite of the Wampanoags, let's say that again, Wampanoags, and other tribe members, a peace treaty was made between the pilgrims and the Indians that lasted 50 years. With the help of the Indian tribes, there was plenty for everyone to eat that first summer and also plenty to last for the next winter. The Wampanoags tribe, contributed five deer to the feast. I apologize because my pronunciation is so poor on that. The pilgrims had so much to be thankful for. They gave thanks for good friends, for new homes, for freedom of religion, plenty of food, and a three-day celebration. They, They celebrated with their Indian friends. All that was a history lesson. Now let's draw a few lessons from their story for us to look at. The pilgrims had morals they had convictions and they stood by them again they were not there to destroy the indians they were not there to steal the property they were not there to rape and plunder and kill they were there to have an established place where they could worship god the way they saw fit in Matthew seven twenty one through 27, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of uh, of lawlessness build your house on the rock. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that rock and the uh, on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Not everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Our society is filled with ways who have compromised our convictions so much that we no longer take a stand on morals or even know what we believe. We've opened our arms to premarital sex, to cohabitation, to the gay lifestyles, to abortion on demand, marijuana distribution centers, uh, you name it, and we've compromised on it. Our politicians are corrupt and they lie to us, they steal from us, they pass laws that are a mockery, They misuse us, and we just turn our heads like it doesn't matter and just hope that everything will turn out like it should. We've built on the sand, and we're in for a mighty crash. The pilgrims were determined to find a place to worship and serve God and let nothing deter them from that purpose. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. The pilgrims were willing to endure whatever hardships that were necessary to accomplish their goal. Today, the slightest little thing can inconvenience us from serving God. The the pilgrims established a government based on the word of God and upon God's laws. Our society has thrown God and God's word out of our schools, out of the courts, out of the public arena. Because the pilgrims honored God, God helped them to take part in building a mighty nation. But we're about to lose that nation today because we have forgotten God. Isaiah 60 verse 12 says, For the nation or the kingdom that will not serve you will perish. It will be utterly ruined. Psalm 917, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. This Thanksgiving, let's remember 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Let's commit some of Thanksgiving Day to spending some time in prayer and not just spend our time eating a big meal watching football on TV and taking naps because the what was ever in the turkey made us so groggy and sleepy listen we need to get back to God I, there there's there's just no way that the nation is going to survive on the route that we're going now Christians, you need to be praying. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you need to accept Him as your personal Savior. You need to con- repent, confess your sins to Him, ask Him to come into your life and lead you and guide you. And then I will promise you, Thanksgiving will be a lot more meaningful. Listen, if you want to get in touch with me, well, let's pray first. Father, I would pray that you'll help. Us as as people of the United States of America to wake up To realize the answer that we need to get out of the mess We're in is not some politician that has some kind of program But it's turning back to God. It's confessing the sins of this nation asking God to forgive us and, and asking God to hear from heaven and, and to begin putting us on the right course Lord, I would pray not only for the nation, I would pray for individuals that need to know you as their personal Savior, that this would be the time that they would confess their sins to you and ask you to forgive them, that they would repent of all they've done and make a commitment to serve you with the rest of their lives. Father, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you help people to realize that we're on our way towards destruction and hell But you don't have to go there if we accept Christ as our Savior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you want to get in touch with me, my email is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com and my mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. Please don't forget what Thanksgiving is supposed to be for. Uh, it was Abraham Lincoln that made it a permanent holiday for the nation. He did designated the final Thursday of November for a time when we ought to thank God and repent and please, praise God and, and live for Him. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you.